Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 85 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Rebecca, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Rebecca has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a PhD in epidemiology and biostatistics and is currently a researcher at The Ohio State University. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm currently a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Cardiovascular Medicine with a joint position at the Center for Advancement of Team Science, Analytics and Systems Thinking in health services and implementation science research. It's called uh, Catalyst Center. I, I think I like Catalyst. I can remember that one. <laughs> Catalyst is definitely much easier to remember. Yes. <laughs> All right. So looking at that, I haven't had an epidemiology, you know, PhD person on the podcast before. Um, maybe we can start out with, with digging into what career opportunities are available in the field that you're in. That's a great question. When it comes to epidemiology, there's a myriad of choices if you want to go a more quantitative route. Or, um, or if you want to, if you want your investigations to to be focused more on a biological route, or some intersection of the two. So some opportunities might be working for the CDC, which is very exciting. They have um, what almost a epidemiology detective program. That's a very prestigious position that you work uh, as a fellowship for several years. Um, there's also many opportunities. Um, to work for the government as an epidemiologist and investigating uh, what may be medical, medical emergencies that require an epidemiologist to be boots on the ground and perform, and, and perform investigations to find what is, the, what is the epicenter of a medical crisis. To help STEM Nation, what epidemiology is, could you explain actually what epidemiology is? And so my, my definition of epidemiology would be what are possible factors or conditions that lead to conditions of health? What are determinants of health that affect people? It might be their environment. It might be financial conditions. It might be, it might be something nutritionally. What is the constellation of factors that impact human health? Also, Rebecca, you have a biostatistics added to your PhD. Yes. So is that normal in epidemiology? Or is that just something that was interesting to you? That is not typical Predominantly, degree programs are exclusively epidemiology or exclusively biostatistics. That was something that attracted me to this program at Case Western, that it was a combination of the two. It was something that I liked. So what is biostatistics versus just straight statistics? Biostatistics is the interface of statistics for medical purposes. Okay. So you did both the biostatistics and the epidemiology. And then your, your bachelor's degree was in psychology. Yes. I, I would have thought that you know, to do epidemiology or to do biostatistics, you would have needed like a heavy math undergraduate degree, but you have psychology. Can you explain to STEM Nation how you're able to do that? My transition from psychology into the biostatistics program and the having that background was an incredibly important foundation to have, and it has led me to the kind of career I have today. So when I started in psychology, actually my, if you take one step back, I had done research as a high schooler at Boston University. I had done investigations with the marine biology lab, doing behavioral studies with the African Great Lakes cichlids, and investigations of the ecology system of the Stillwagen Bank in Maine. 
And that gave me the motivation to want to do research in my career. So having that background as a high school student allowed me the opportunity to do clinical research in the Department of Psychiatry in the area of adolescent addiction. So in the field of adolescent addiction, we wanted to understand what are the factors that affect or contribute to teenagers that are dependent on uh, illicit substances. So I was very fortunate to be a part of a lab that not only did what is called qualitative investigations and quantitative investigations, meaning that we would qualitative side is that we would do interviews with our teenage participants and we would do a whole when we would do extensive data entry and data cleaning and because our lab at the time was led by a psychologist who was also extensive training in biostatistics, I found that I loved the area of doing statistics. I loved the quantitative part of my research. So towards the end of my time in the Department of Psychiatry in that lab, I began to do more research and began to do more work using statistical programming. So Rebecca, you know, with the research that you did with with young kids uh, getting addicted to illicit drugs, I'll say, what is one thing that you think would be very interesting for STEM Nation to know about that that you don't think we know? The first thing that comes to mind, there's two things that come to mind. The first is that being a part of that kind of research taught me the value and of being detail-oriented and careful with data entry, a data collection, and understanding what does your data look like before you do any kind of fancy analyses or transformations. What is happening at the baseline? What is the story before you create your own idea, before asking your own question of the data? The second thing was that I was interviewing our participants and learning about these their stories. We did develop a rapport, and it really changed how I feel about research in general. It may, it set me on that journey of wanting to do data science for social good. How their lives were changed and what was happening to them was not, was not lost on me. And it was transformational for me in how I view data. All right. Thanks for that, Rebecca. That's, that's very interesting. And I was also looking at your LinkedIn uh, profile, and it looks like you've done a lot of different research along the way. Could you take us through that path? What has guided me throughout my career has been the idea of wanting to do quantitative research that investigates textual data, meaning what are people saying about their own health experience and what can we learn from that to best improve their health experiences. So when I began in graduate school, I was I did research in ovarian cancer and understanding what was the gaps in knowledge between ovarian cancer and its symptoms, since ovarian cancer is the silent killer, many find out about it too late. And that experience allowed me to do research in antibiotic stewardship with the Veterans Association, where we wanted to understand what are the gaps in knowledge about antibiotic resistance and how can we help the public with their misconceptions and beliefs about antibiotic resistance so that they are informed. So the way that I have been able to the way I've been able to organize from moving from so many different fields is that I keep track of all of my research ideas and all of the different analyses that I might need to incorporate or data approaches I mean incorporate by keeping organized in Evernote, which I consider my second brain, and I keep track of all the all the relevant literature that I need to 
review and be in-depth, have in-depth knowledge of in a software called Mendeley. Both are freely available. Right. Thanks, Rebecca. And, and I'd like to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, that you had done research in high school, um, I believe mm-hmm. at a university. So think of STEM Nation audiences, juniors, seniors in high school that are going, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, how would I even go about doing that? What would you recommend to STEM Nation if they wanted to pursue kind of the same path that you did? One of the big challenges is that if you want to do something, often people want to see a record that you've done it before. It's very challenging and very counterintuitive. I really encourage listeners to first do preparation work of creating an online portfolio that lists your interests and tells who you are, and also incorporating maybe a small blog about your interests or maybe even tweeting about your interests. That way that sets the stage so that when you you would contact faculty at your local university to offer maybe summer help or seek out summer internships so that you can participate in these kind in this kind of research investigations. Yeah, so it sounds like if you're in high school and you're interested in doing this and you want to start doing some research just to see if that's really what you want to do, develop an online presence, you know, start tweeting out things of interest, you know, start doing some of your own little investigations and then put that all together in a little portfolio and then go talk to some local um, universities to see, you know, what might be available for for summer help or, you know, supporting stuff during your, your normal uh, work week in high school. So thanks for that, Rebecca. And we're going to transition here to, to something that really has you fired up today. What has me fired up now is about the use of statistical significance. So in 2016, the American Statistical Association came out and said that they no longer want to use uh, p-values or that there was a controversy over p-values and they wanted to address the misconception of the use of this particular... And what is a p-value? Uh, so the way we think of p-values is that the, st- the smaller the p-value, the greater the statistical incompatibility of the data with the null hypothesis. Accordingly to Bradley Efron in his book, we think of we think of p-value as almost a statistical surprise. That's how Bradley Efron described it. And when we, when we see p-values in statistics, it's the misconception is that uh, it's measured... It measures the size of an effect. It measures how important it is. But what is happening in the field of statistics right now is that we need to address these kind of misconceptions and understand that it is not not a thumbs up or thumbs down to decide whether a, a result of your study supports your hypothesis or refutes your hypothesis. I will leave that for statisticians to understand more. Um, I am not a statistician. I'll ask my daughter, who's heavy in math and and does a lot of statistics work, and and see what her thoughts are on that. The reason I bring this up is that not only did the American Statistical Association bring this up, but it's actually been published in Nature just this week as well. They want to do away with bringing statistical significance into scientific conclusions entirely. That's why it's a big deal. You know, so STEM Nation, if if you're interested in this, you know, it sounds like the p-values is, is something that is a very hot topic right now. And that might be something to go off and investigate and show that you are really interested in this, especially as it relates to statistics, and you go do some research on that. Take a look and see what's going on there. So thanks for that, Rebecca. And, you know, for STEM Nation, they're going to be heading off to college soon. And what are some what's some advice, Rebecca, that you'd give them to help them get through college successfully? The biggest thing is to remember that no one will train you but you. So if you are seeking these, if you want to do 
something that really excites you, um, I really strongly encourage you to investigate on your own about what that thing might be and then start to talk about it publicly and advocate for yourself and start to trigger conversations about this so that you can gain those opportunities. And at the same time, it's very important to stay as organized as possible. And so one way to do that is to keep track of all your to-dos on a calendar and each day summarize at the at the end of each day summarize your to-dos so that you when you are starting fresh in the morning you know exactly what you need to do and often the best way to orient yourself to what you need to get done each morning is to think to yourself what am i avoiding doing often that's the most important thing you need to get started yeah and what in summation what rebecca's talking about you know starting that early in high school and in college that is going to be so valuable when you actually start getting into your actual working life after college, having that ability to, to keep track of what's going on. There's so much information out there and then staying focused on what really needs to happen. And if there are things that you're avoiding, it's probably things that really need to occur. So you probably want to allocate some time to get some of those things done that you are avoiding. So, all right, Rebecca, and we're going to go to the lightning round. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received is stop starting and start finishing. And a personal habit that contributes to your success? A personal habit is focusing on the process and not on the end result. And a favorite app? My favorite application is bar none Evernote. I use it like my second brain. <laughs> yes, and I use OneNote, which is essentially kind of the same thing from Microsoft. And I use OneNote, and absolutely, that is my second brain. And one book you would recommend? It's called The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. And the reason it might be useful for your for the STEM Nation audience is that it, through a 12-week process, it teaches you how to go through all your self-doubts, reframe negative thoughts, and how to basically had to chase fear. All right, STEM Nation, that book will be in the show notes. So go to stemonfire.com, go to the episode with Rebecca and check it out and the book will be in there. And as we wrap up here, Rebecca, could you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation and then we will say goodbye. My advice is to apply for everything that interests you and just collect rejections and eventually something is going to work out. It's going to be hard to face that, but you can do it. That sounds like a statistician talking, the, the, the law of large numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Rebecca, we will say goodbye. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Rebecca. You can head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion in STEM.